wrestling fans. That's right, it's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607TWS. And we are coming to you from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling podcasting. I am your host here at 607TWS. I am also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me as he does each and every week in the co-pilot's chair, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? That's right. It is now time to talk some pro wrestling, and it's a weird week, Ken. It is. It is one of those weeks where we don't have a lot from WWE and AEW, mm-hmm. the two biggest ones in the United States. But that doesn't mean the show goes on. It doesn't go on. Right. We have tons of other wrestling to talk about. There is some WWE stuff we're going to save and AEW stuff both for the main event segment because we're going to talk about a little bit of the hodgepodge of wrestling news. And I'm using quota- air, air quotes are flying here. Yes. Uh, for wrestling news, more or less our opinions and takes on some things that are happening in those two companies. Of course, we're going to end the main event segment this week by previewing. Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary 2023, because that's a huge show coming up this Absolutely. upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in the mid-card, we are going to hit you with that indie roundup. We've got a Pro Wrestling Revolver show to review. We've got a Game Changer Wrestling show to review. We've even got and the first ever MLWPLE on Fight.tv, or more specifically, Fight Plus to review. Plus, we've got Game Changer Wrestling and... Absolute Intense Wrestling, AIW's Absolution, to preview for this upcoming weekend. And in the opening contest, finally it's time, Ken, finally, it is time to start covering what we love to cover every year. It's one of our favorite times of the year. G1 Climax, Mm -hmm. New Japan Pro Wrestling's big yearly tournament is set to kick off this upcoming weekend, July 15th. We're going to preview the first couple days because obviously we'll be back between then and then we'll be reviewing and previewing the entirety of the G1 as we do each and every year right here on 607 TWS, your one-stop shop for everything G1 Climax. So I can't wait to kick that off this episode. But Ken, before we can dive into... All of that great stuff. Tell the fine folks how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts, especially Threads, which is now taking over all social media platforms. And it's been fantastic so far, so you definitely don't want to miss the conversations going on there. I know 3FN is there as well. Yes, we are. We have a lot to talk about with Pro Wrestling. Technically, I I, I dread saying their like link because it's... I do believe it's 3FNPod at threads.net is how they set theirs up for some reason. It's weird. That's why I just throw it with the link tree, and that is why it's right <laughs> yes, there on the exactly. front page. I know. I'm, or is it dot .threads.net? It's, I know it's .net. It's weird. Yeah. It's a different kind of like beast, so it's harder to say. But yes, just go to threads, look up 3FNPod, look up ODPH Podcast, and we're right there. Yes, because we are definitely having a lot of great conversations there. And if you were already following both of us on Instagram, it's real easy. Yes. You just go over and it just mitigates all of your Instagram followers right onto threads and boom, you're good. You're good to go. Yeah. Free plug for that. So it's definitely been one that we've been using a lot this past week and having a lot of great conversations there with everybody. So it's one part of the social media accounts. You can definitely talk with us there. Also, check out the T-Public store. Check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all the amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. The blogs, the classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. 
uh, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, so many more. The directory, the music section, basically if it's anything and everything that is the OD page, you can find it at odpagepodcast.com. And of course, if you're trying to get a hold of myself or just find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. There, you'll find all of our social media links. You'll find the links to the Public store, links to Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content. We just kicked off the 3FN Podcast Shark, shark Month. Week. Yeah, or Shark Month, we I should Shark say. Month, yes. And uh, so we have the review for Jaws 2 out. Uh, this upcoming week, we'll be doing the Jaws 3. And then by the end of the month, because I might take a week in between because we have time, uh, we'll be doing Jaws the Revenge. So that'll be the three movies we do for uh, Shark Month. Right now, we're trying to catch up on some things is when I was having my kid in graduating and stuff. I took some stuff, some time off. The patrons were okay with it. So they're going to get a ton of extra bonus content. So if you want to sign up now, perfect time. You're going to get a lot of extra stuff, including the 3FN Shark Month. Uh, on top of all of that, you can find links to 3FN Podcasts right there. Stream the show live from 3FNPodcast.com. I shouldn't say live, but stream it from there. Mm-hmm. Also, you can stream 607TWS from the website as well. And there's friends of the show like ODPH Podcast there. So check that out. Plus, the musical directory that features such great musical acts as Floodlands, whose yes. song Ruins is the theme song that opens every episode of 607TWS. And also, our good friend Second Suitor, whose song One Winged Angel is the finishing song that we go out to every week here at 607TWS. Shout out to both of those bands and every Everybody else in the music musical directory, make sure you visit them over on Spotify, you know, Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. Support them because they support us and they help us not get those dreaded DMCAs. And last, but certainly not least, there's a sponsor section that helps bring this show and everything else we do to you completely commercial free. So shout out to everybody in that great uh, area that, you know, helps us do that, helps us and you guys not have to hear commercials. But big shout out to our good friends, Dragon Master Games. They're our number one sponsor. And of course, if for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. So check all that information out on the sponsorship tab at 3FNpodcast.com, your one-stop shop. That's a lot of stuff to get through, Ken. It is. It's a lot of stuff to get through, but you know what? We have to do it. The people have to know. The people have to know how to get a hold of us. Well, Ken, you know what else they need to know? What's they that? need to know that it's about the time that we start this party off because... It's time! That's right, it's time to kick off this opening contest for 607TWS this week. And uh, like we already told you, we're going to kick it right on over to some... New Japan Pro Wrestling Talk because it is now time for the one of my favorite times of year. There's two favorite times of mine personally for the calendar year for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom at the yep. beginning of the year, January 4th every year. And of course, what builds the biggest thing to Wrestle Kingdom, the G1, G1. Climax because the winner of the G1 Climax gets a guaranteed shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom, so we're already building to that, and of course, this year's tournament kicks off this upcoming Saturday, July the 15th. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you guys don't know already, the G1 Climax is the wrestling tournament New Japan holds, and it opens up round-robin style, where you fight everybody in your block. The best points, it goes by points, a win is worth two points. A tie, which uh, technically a draw, which doesn't usually happen, is worth yeah, a point, a while. and a loss is worth zero. Uh, it's just fair to amount, announce that a draw is one point mm-hmm. because it has happened in the past, right? not too often. However, two points for each win. Whoever has the most points coming out of their block wins that block. 
That block will take on the winner of another block because there's four blocks total. They don't always go A. We're going to use the example A versus B and C versus D, but sometimes it's right, A versus do. C. Sometimes it's A versus D. Correct. Sometimes C. You know, so it, it's a mixture of those. But we'll say the winner of this block, A, we'll use the examples of A and block B will face each other. And the winners of block C and block D will face each other. And the winners of that will come together in the finals. Now, mind you, that could change. I'm just using that as an example. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, the Whoever wins the blocks will fight somebody else in the blocks to meet in the finals. And that is how the G1 Climax works. And the winner gets a shot. Not only do they win the G1 Climax, not only do they get the big trophy and the flag and they get celebrated and put in the history books, not only that, they get, uh, once again, a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship at the biggest show of the year for New Japan Pro Mm -hmm. Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom. So it's a big deal, this tournament is. And if you're not fair weather... New Japan fan, or maybe not even a New Japan fan, this is the time to check it out because you get to see a lot of great action. And there's a lot of great people in this tournament this year. We announced the lineup a little while ago. I'm not going to go back through the lineup because we're going to be announcing matches and what's going on and what we expect to go on in these first couple days because the first two days will go down on July 15th and 16th, as you'll hear in a second. We will be recording, usually we'll record the show Sunday or Monday, so by the time we record, we'll be able to review both of those shows, and then we'll have like four more shows to preview for the following week, and that's how we do the G1 Climax through G1 season. Yes. Once again, one of our favorite times of year here at 607 TWS. So enough about that. I think we laid the ground rules down. If anybody has any questions, hit us up on the social medias. We'll be more than happy to, happy mm-hmm. to be your Sherpa on this mountain. So let's talk about the first night, July, Saturday, July 15th. And of course, this is coming to you from Hokkaido at the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports uh, Center. So uh, let's talk about the card. First up, and of course, this is a, I'm just going to announce, them. they give the, they give the card in order, but I'm just going to announce the match. I'm going to say what block it's in. Okay. Because there is a, every block almost, I think on this one is all pretty much A and B block. So I'm just going to announce what block Because they usually group it like that, A and B, and then C and D yes. wrestle like on different nights. So Yes. So here we go. Uh, first match that we're going to announce, B block opening round, Yoshihashi versus El Phantasmo. Oh, let's go. This is going to be a good one. Two young guys. Uh, Phantasmo's got a lot to prove now that he's no longer in the Bullet Club. Yoshihashi always has something to prove because he's had great tag team success with his partner, his world tag team championship partner, I should say, and Hiroki Goto. Mm. But he always he seems to fall short in the singles category. Could it be the year he puts it together? I don't know, but you know what? We we are Team Phantasmo here, so absolutely. In an A block meeting. The, I, I guess, former crown jewel of the Bullet Club, Chase Owens, goes one-on-one with a member of the Bullet Club, Gabe Kidd. I'm not sure how this is all going to work out. If if Chase Owens is out, he's got an axe to grind. There's a great time to grind that axe. It's like on Facebook when relationship status says it's complicated. That's kind of where it is right here, but this is going to be a great match, though. Next match will also be a B-block tournament match. Tonga Loa of the G.O.D., Goes one-on-one with your former NJPW Strong Champion, Kenta. Ooh, I can't wait to see this one. It's going to be crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Next up, uh, in an A-block meeting, Shuda Yumino will go one-on-one with Ren Narita, two of the young gunners, mm-hmm. if you will. Two of those guys whose name has now been listed as part of the new Three Musketeers. Yes. So, so this very, is gonna, high, very high prestige here. This is going to be a hell of a match and a hell of a proving ground for both of these young gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Next up, in a B-block match... We've got the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, goes one-on-one with the United Empire's Great Okan. That'll be a fun match. This is going to be a good match. This mm. could be an upset. Great Okan could take this match. you got to remember, in G1 Climax action, anything can happen. True. Next up, in an A-block match, we've got 
Yodi Yoda Suji, who is the other member of the three new three musketeers, is mm-hmm. announced by New Japan, and he's going to be going up against from GHC Pro Wrestling Noah Kaido Kiyomaya. This could be a sleeper match of the card, to be honest with you, because I think this one is going to try stealing the show, and, and you know I think it might. B Block match coming up next. One of the just five guys, Tai Chi, goes one-on-one with your IWGP United States champion, Will Osprey. Ooh, this will be a fun match. And in the main event of this first night of the G1 uh, tournament, in an A-block tournament match, the reigning undisputed IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sonata, will go one-on-one with Hikaleo. Okay. That's going to be a hell of a match right there. Agreed. Great, great, great lineup for the first night. Oh, absolutely. Of the G1 climax. Starting off right. Let's talk about night two, though. Okay. That's going down the next day, Sunday, July 16th, also at the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center. And uh, let's kick it right off with a C-block tournament match. This stone pit bull, Tamahiro Ishii, goes one-on-one with the leader of the Bullet Club and the never-open-weight champion, David Finley. This won't be for the faint of heart, folks. This is going to be a hard-hitting match, to say the least. In a D-block matchup, one half of the IWGP World Tag Team Champions and one half of the IWGP, or sorry, NJPW Strong Tag Team Champions, Hiroki Goto goes one-on-one with perennial, perennial, thank you, I couldn't say it because I'm getting so excited to say it, favorite, Toriyanu. Uh, (laughs) Let's go. Toriyanu is back in the tournament, as we pointed out. We can't wait to see him. In uh, the C-block matchup next, Mikey Nichols. Goes one-on-one with Aaron Henry. Okay. In a D-block tournament match, the legend of Slapjack himself, Shane Haste, goes one-on-one with Bullet Club's Alex Coughlin. Uh, I'm torn in this one. I, I, Alex Coughlin I, with Bullet Club, I just want to say, too, phenomenal addition. Next up, in a C-block matchup, representing LIJ, Shingo Tagagi goes one-on-one with your new NJPW Strong Openweight Champion, Eddie Kingston. Oh, this is going to be a fun match. Next in a D-block match, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, goes one-on-one with the NJPW World Television Champion, Zack Sabre Jr. Okay. Next up in a C-block match, Tama Tonga goes one-on-one with Evil. Ooh, that'll be a good match. And in the main event of night two in a D-block tournament match... The leader of LIJ, Tetsu Naito, goes one-on-one with the powerhouse of the United Empire, Jeff Cobb. That's a great match. I, I'm I'm blown away by the first two nights yeah, of the G1 tournament. Like they, They're coming with heavy hitters right away. It might sound like a broken record, but seriously, like how stacked this card is. Like I don't hear a bad match on this. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how great they've planned these out. Yeah, like right out the gate, too. Like that's the, the key point to drive home here. All right, let's jump on over because, let's be honest, there was a big event that happened for what we'll call New Japan adjacent. Okay. And that, of course, is NJPW Strong. That is the United States Mm -hmm. arm. And this past week, during the Independence Day celebrations for us here in the United States, they had their own NJPW Strong Independence Day coming to you from Kurokin Hall in Tokyo, Japan. Of course, night one went down on Tuesday, July 4th. Night two on Wednesday, July 5th. Let's break this down, shall we, Ken M? Let's do it. In the opening contest, which was a kickoff match on the pre-show, in a six-man tag team extravaganza, the team of Yo, Taguchi, and Oscar Lube defeated the team of Katori, Libre, and Kengo. Ten minutes and 45 seconds when Yo pinned Dragon Libre with a direct drive. Solid match. 
Next up on the card, in the first one, first match of the main card, uh, Bad Dude Tito de- defeated the DKC in 7 minutes and 29 seconds with a tequila screwdriver. In the second match of the night, the it's another six-man tag team extravaganza. The team filthy team of the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jerrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and J.R. Kratos defeated the uh, makeshift NJPW team of Oa... They saw us, Alex Zane and Lance Archer, uh, Jarrell Nelson, uh, well, the West Coast Wrecking Crew hit the West Coast Classic in 10 minutes and 26 seconds. Jarrell Nelson pinned Owaya to get the victory. Mm-hmm. Next up on the list, uh, we had the third match, and it was a singles match. The leader of the uh, Team Filthy, Tom Lawler, defeated Kosei Fujita, 8 minutes and 59 seconds with the NKOTB. Great victory for Filthy Tom Lawler. Agreed. Next up in a tag team match. The team of Rocky Romero and Eddie Kingston defeated Kenta and Guido in a nine minutes and 29 seconds when Eddie Kingston hit Guido with back fist to the future for the victory. Great match. Next on the list, in a women's stardom studded match, the team of Momo Kogo and the NJPW Strong Women's Champion Willow Nightingale defeated Thickla and Julia in 9 minutes and 54 seconds when Willow Nightingale hit Thickla with the babe with the powerbomb. And next up, sixth match of the evening for the Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships, your champions... The uh, team of Goto and Yoshihashi defending against the Bullet Club team of Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin. This match got 12 minutes and 18 seconds. And at the end of the day, Alex Coughlin and and Gabe Kidd became the new strong open weight tag champions with a hijack pile driver. So I lied to you earlier when I said strong open weight champions on purpose because we were saving it for this. Mm -hmm. But it's great to see new champs here. Like I say, I love the additions to the Bullet Club and I think they're going to just go through the roof right now. Next up in the seventh match of the evening for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, your champions, uh, the team of TJP and Francisco Akira representing the United Empire, taking on the Bullet Club team of Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. This match got 15 minutes and 36 seconds, and at the end of the day, Drilla Maloney hit TJP with a full clip, and uh, the Bullet Club team of Connors and Maloney are your new IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. Excellent. Bullet Club's bringing home all the gold. Remember, we were questioning what was going to happen, Mm because David Finley says you either got to injure somebody or win matches. Yep. That's the only way of Bullet Club Love the new mentality. And last but not least, in the main event of the first night, in a 60-minute time limit match, and it was uh, dubbed as Exciting Encounter Doomsday No DQ Match, the team of El Desperado and the Crazy Monkey June Kasai defeated Homicide and John Moxley in 18 minutes and 34 seconds when El Desperado hit Homicide with the reverse Tiger Driver for the victory. How to put this match into words? Oh, it was brutal. It was nuts. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. But that got better because the very next night on July 5th, back at Kuroken Hall in Tokyo, Japan, we had night two of Independence NJPW Strong's Independence Day. Uh, the kickoff match on the pre-show uh, featured a lot of young gunners, six-man tag team extravaganza as Bolton Oleg, Master Wado, and Taguchi took on Rekka, uh, Takahiro Katori, and Dragon Libre. At the end of the match, 11 minutes and 37 seconds via the Tensuke German from Master Wado on Rekka. We had a win for that first team. All right. Next up. In the opening contest with the twenty-minute contest uh, with the twenty-minute sorry time limit, Oscar Lube, who they've been big up on, mm-hmm. oh, he ate a loss to Satoshi Kojima via the Lariat 
Five minutes and 23 seconds. Kojima getting on that win streak. Hey, Kojima for champion after him and Punk at for Borden Dora. I said it before. I would not be mad about that. Next up in a tag team match and the second on the list, we had the former uh, IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions Francisco Akira and TJP defeat Oaya in Homicide in 12 minutes and 9 seconds. So getting back on the winning ways after dropping the titles. Mm. Next up, third match of the evening for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Your new champions, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney, defending the titles against the chaos team of Rocky Romero and Yo. This match got 12 minutes and five seconds. And at the end of the day, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney have their first successful title defense, and they're still your IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. Let's go. Next up in a tag team match in the fourth slot. The team of Lance Archer and the Sauce Alex Zane defeated Kosai Fujita and Bad Dude Tito in 9 minutes and 31 seconds via Lance Archer's Lariat. I'm excited about that team. Like I say, Zane and Archer I didn't think would work, but here we are. Next up, six-man tag team extravaganza. The team of the DKC, the Stone Pitbull, Tamahiro Ishii, and the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeated the filthy Tom Lawler-led Team Filthy team of Tom Lawler and the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs, 13 minutes and 10 seconds via the neck lock from Tanahashi. Yeah. I was surprised that, uh, that but give me Tanahashi versus Filthy Tom one-on-one. I'm there all day. I agree with you. Next up for the Strong Women's Championship match. Your champion and first ever champion, Willow Nightingale, went one-on-one with stardom superstar, Julia. This match got 13 minutes and 29 seconds. At the end of the day, Julia hit the Northern Lights bomb to become your new NJPW Strong Women's Champion. What did you think about this match? You know, great match, first and foremost. Was surprised that Willow only had the one title defense. Like, I agree with it. I know we talked off air about it. But, I mean, what can you say about Julia right now? Oh, she's on a whole nother level. Yeah. Can't so. wait to see her more. Uh, there's been some rumors of possibly her performing at All In or All Out. Just throwing that out I'd there. I'd be excited to see that. Next up in the seventh match of the evening for the IWGP Tag Team Championships, in a rematch from the night before, technically, your ID, IWGP Tag Team Champions Yoshihashi and Hiroki Godu defended the titles against Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin. Could Kidd and Coughlin from the Bullet Club, you know, have the same luck they had the night before? Not quite. 11 minutes and 29 seconds at the end of the day. Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto are still your IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. Great match, though. And next up is the co-main event of the evening for the Strong Openweight Championship. Your champion, Kenta, going one-on-one with Eddie Kingston. This match got 13 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of the day. With a Northern Lights bomb, Eddie Kingston defeats Kenta to become your new NJPW Strong Openweight Champion. And man, the emotions that Eddie Kingston showed during after the match and the press conference. You know I'm Team Kenta all day but man this is a great moment to see Eddie God bless the Mad King he just poured it out there and especially in that post press conference how could you not root for him how could you not get behind it just what a magical moment absolutely next up in the main event slot of the evening in a match that was just called final death Desperado Desperado goes one-on-one with John Moxley. This match got 20 minutes and 33 seconds at the end of the day via the Death Rider. John Moxley defeats El Desperado. This is a pretty violent match. Agreed. I I, I can't say it was as violent as uh, El Desperado's death matches for GCW recently, but hey, this is New Japan. They don't usually do death matches, so the fact that they got a little hardcore in the main event, we got to see a little bit of blood. 
pretty good uh, match overall, I would say. It was kind of what I was, what I was expecting. But, oh, you know, but like I say, they can't go GCW over there, so. Well, now we have come to the end of our New Japan coverage. We've hit you with that preview for the G1 Climax Star. We even gave you the results for NJPW Strong's Independence Day uh, events. Now we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to hit you with the Indie Roundup. We're talking Game Changer Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Revolver, Major League Wrestling, and AIW, plus so much more right after this break. We are back. It is now time for the mid-card of this week's edition of 607 TWS. And, of course, continue with that beautiful baseline for the mid-card theme. But the mid-card is brought to you by our good friends over at Fight.TV. More specifically, Fight Plus, where you can get a lot of amazing independent wrestling content over there. And they keep adding more and more. Of course, while you're also over there, you can check out like rugby and soccer and bare knuckles fighting. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. But we're a pro wrestling podcast. So we're going to just talk about the independent pro Mm -hmm. wrestling you can find over there. And there's such great companies like Game Changer Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Revolver, Black Label Pro, Glory Pro Live, House of Glory Wrestling, AIW. Of course, they just added... MLW, which we're going to be talking about their first PLA here in a minute, and so much more and more getting added by the day. Ken, is this not the greatest value in all of pro wrestling? Without question, it is the best deal if you're a pro wrestling fan because you can find so many different federations with so many superstars putting in the time for the craft, and you can fall in love with one of a plethora, if I may use that word, of independent promotions and really find something that if you're not into what they're doing on Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, you can find something else to get into. That's right. For $7.99 a month, you can sign up for Fight Plus. It'll be the best $7.99 you spend. So thank you, Fight Plus, for sponsoring the Indie Roundup. Let's talk about some stuff that went down on Fight Plus. Let's do it. Starting off, there was three, count them, three huge shows that went down this past Saturday, uh, July the 8th. All of them on Saturday, by the way. Um, I had to watch one of them live, half of one, go back and watch another one, go back and watch. It's, it's, it was crazy, but I got them all in, Ken. Mm, yeah, I know. Uh, you got. I did not get a chance to, so you're so, going to have to fill me in here. So much wrestling action 
You can't say once again, seven ninety nine. This is just one Saturday. Yeah. And <laughs> We're not even talking about the whole month. We're just talking about one Saturday. <laughs> exactly. And the best thing too is if you don't catch it live, you can watch the replays like That's I'm gonna be right. doing. Replays are bound and of course archive stuff. So let's start first start, uh start off with a show that started at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday, uh, July the 8th. Of course, Game Changer Wrestling presents Clean Up Man from the Webster Theater in Hartford, Connecticut, right in the backyard of World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened this show with a four-way match where the East Coast Beast, Alec Price, defeated Brogan Finley, Dustin Waller, and Grim Reefer, seven minutes and five seconds. Great way to open the show with uh, three young talents in the Grim Reefer. Of course, Grim Reefer is a Northeast legend. Yeah. Facts. Great, great match. Couldn't believe that uh, Alec Price finally got a win under his belt. I know. It's been a while. He's been, been on a quite while. a losing streak. Next up, six-man tag team extravaganza. The team of the, its different kind of boy, Jimmy Lloyd, and wasted youth, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers, defeated the SATs, Joel, Jose, and Will Maximo. Ten minutes and 42 seconds. The veterans of the ring showed the young bucks a, a, a bunch of new stuff. But the young kids, at the end of the day... They took out the veterans. Good job by, by Wasted Youth plus Jimmy Lloyd, which Jimmy Lloyd could be Wasted Youth too. Exactly. Great match, though. Next up, and this one was out of nowhere, Effie comes to the ring, doesn't have a match, puts everything over, but does not have a match. Next out is the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. There's a little fisticuffs between him and Effie. And then the King of Wreckship, Mount Cole Radrick, who is John Wayne Murdoch's original opponent, hits the ring. So, hey, we got an impromptu three-way match. Eight minutes and 54 seconds at the end of the day. And the winner of this match, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. Definitely an exciting match for just getting thrown together. Yeah, a little hardcore action there in the night. Mm-hmm. Next up, in a singles match, the root of all evil, Charles Mason, with Piro in his yeah. corner. We have to, admit, have to mention that. Defeated the bad boy, Joey Janelle, in 14 minutes and 12 seconds. After the match, Piro and Charles Mason were giving a little extra curriculars to the bad boy, Joey Janela, when a familiar music for those of us who are fans yeah. of ECW. This was uh, wild. We had some snap your fingers, snap your neck, and if you're a fan of ECW, you know that can only mean one man. He's not just the coolest. He's not just the best. He's just incredible. Man, was there for a signing, came out with a cane and proceeded to cane the hell out of Perro and yeah. one off Charles Mason. Like, listen, I, I, I noticed right away, you know, obviously Justin Credible's not in ring shape anymore. He's been retired for some time, but I love Justin Credible. I've spent time working with mm-hmm. him. Uh, I spent time with him, you know, when he was dealing with demons. And now that he's not and he's in a great place in life, I couldn't be prouder of him. And I was also, it was awesome to see that crowd erupt for Justin Credible. I was super happy for him. So it was nice to see him in the ring. Yeah, no, I completely marked out. I was like, wait, what? Because when I heard prong, I was like, yeah. no way. And then sure enough, he comes out and, and the cane shots he was given to Perro. He I, broke the cane on the first shot. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> like I was like, Impero had to check and see if he was bleeding because he hit him so hard. Yeah. Like, that was just weird to see. Like, and, I'm, it, it, and nothing negative about it. I was just like, he broke that on the first shot. I loved it. Yeah. But it was great. It was just fantastic. I moment. loved it. And it was nice to see Justin Credible. I know I heard some people, well, look at him. He's out of, he's, he's, he's past his career. Exactly. So, you know, leave the man alone. He had a rough, you know, he had a rough time. Great wrestler in ECW. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the way back to his Aldo Montoya days. And then he would go to ECW and reinvent himself as Justin Credible. He dealt with a lot of demons and he came out on the other side. And he's a good dude. I love uh, Justin Credible. So, PJ, nice to see you back in the ring, brother. Absolutely. Uh, next up. We had the Game Changer Wrestling World Championship on the line. Your champion, Blake Christian, all heart, if you will, defending the title 
against a man who is just making his return to the wrestling mm-hmm. business after fighting off cancer. That's right, Richard Holiday. That was nice to see him. You know, if knowing the story behind, even giving Blake Christian coming to the ring, he did work in a little bit of hey man. We're all proud of you that you're back in the ring. He did turn into yep. a heel portion, not for cancer, though. He changed it into like, hey, you know, the story is going to be you coming back and taking this bell for me. That's not going to happen. I'll give you another option. And he went through this whole other option. What, yeah. You know, losing to me isn't that bad. You'll still be good. It's just you can't beat me. <laughs> yeah, I love this moment, too, because obviously seeing Holiday come back, that was an amazing moment. And how Christian just tied it all together. I mean, perfect. 16 minutes, 20 seconds at the end of the day, and still your Game Changer Wrestling World Champion, all heart play Christian. Little things to be announced here. Richard Holiday got a little gun shy on using the belt. Yeah. As we know back in the day, he was always one to bend the rules, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, when the push came to shove, he ended up giving the kick to the Jimmy and hit him with the, him the, with the, belt. B- the belt. Unfortunately, the referee was out, so by the time he woke him up, it was a kick out. And then, of course, Blake did the heelish thing and out-heeled him to win the match. Yep. More notably, I love the fact that Richard Holiday has told everybody this is not the last time you will see Richard Holiday in a game changer wrestling love ring. Love it. And as a GCW fan, I cannot wait to see more Richard Holiday, and I'm glad that he's back uh, to being 100%. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Next up, three way tag team extravaganza. Your former three time GCW World Tag Team Champions, Los Macisos, Ciclope, and Miedo Extrema, defeated. Waves and curls, Jalen Braden and Trayvon Jordan and Yokai, Janai Kai and Yoya in 10 minutes and one seconds. This match was all over the place and I was here for it. By the way, in the New England area, is there anybody over more than Waves and Curls? The minute the Whitney Houston kicked in, it was uh, it, it was like it was game time. I mean, you know, coming back from intermission, even yeah, uh, it was perfect great. way to do it. It was great. That crowd exploded when they heard it. Speaking of the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Titles, they were on the line next as your champions, uh, the East West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne went went up against Gringo Loco and Jack Cartwheel. This match got t- 16 minutes and one second at the end of the day, and still your GCW World Tag Team Champions, the East West Express. Speaking of a long day for the, still not 18, he'll be 18 this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Hence, he'll be making his uh, Dynamite debut this upcoming Wednesday. Correct. And that would be the young goat, Nick Wayne. He was coming overseas from a DDT appearance. Yeah. He had been in DDT for like a month or not a month, a couple weeks. A couple weeks, I think. But he literally competed and then flew and got to the venue right before the match. How wild. So the young goat, man, doing big things. And of course, big week for the young goat. He debuts against Swerve Strickland this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. Are you? You know what? This is one of the few times that I'm happy to tune into Dynamite. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and I love how they're giving him a promo too. Like I said, I thought we, that was we, nice. We saw a little vignette because I, unless you're watching GCW and you've been watching for a while, or Prestige, or a few other companies that he's worked for. But yes, continue. right. But where we all know him as avid independent wrestling watchers, we know what he's capable of. And I can't wait to see him on the big stage and see him go completely crazy. Richard Holiday said it the best. This is the biggest and best independent wrestling promotion. Talking about Game Changer Wrestling. Absolutely. That is taking nothing away from other great ones that Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about in a minute. But but let's be honest. Who is running the schedule that Game Changer Wrestling is? Who is running the talent that Game Changer Wrestling is? Proof of which, Nick Wayne going to have a huge career. The newly uh, 18, newly graduated young man is going on to the All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. But he'll still be in GCW because we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yes. Next up, in a singles match, in a dream match, I do not know how Brett pulled this off, but we got the uh, notification this past week that Utami Hayashida 
was going to be making her return to the United States of America. She's only been here one other time, to my recollection. Yeah. And he got her booked for two dates. And one of them was this show. She took on one of our favorites and somebody who should be signed ASAP tomorrow, in my opinion, somewhere. Space Jesus, Billy Starks. This match got 10 minutes and 38 seconds. At the end of the day, Yotami Hayashida wins the match, but a lot of respect has to go to Billy Starks, and Hayashida gave her the respect. Oh, yeah. No, this was a great match. Super excited to see this. And, yeah, I was surprised when it was announced. I was like, wait, holy smokes, Brett. Yeah. And in the main event of the evening, that's right, your goat, if you will, the man. The, the king, king, the god of this shit, Nick F. Engage, went one-on-one with Psycho Clown. That match got 18 minutes, 11 seconds. Your winner, Nick Gage. Nick Gage is looking in great shape. Oh, yeah. All that time he spent in the gym with Jordan Oliver's paying off. And I'll tell you what, when Nick Gage is in good shape and he's motivated, this was a great match with him and Psycho Clown. It got a little hardcore, nothing too deathmatchy, but I, I was a big fan of this, and it was nice to see Psycho Clown back in the U.S., more specifically in Game Changer Wrestling. No, absolutely. Perfect way to end the show. Love the post-match speech that Nick gave, because obviously he said he, he's more than willing to run it back with Psycho Clown wherever. And then he really put over the fans, too, which is something Nick always does. But to see him come back, he said, like, listen, I can retire. I don't need to do this. That's right. But you motivate me to come back and get back in the gym. You're motivating me to just keep going until I, you know, drop. And, like, I loved seeing that. Just the passion that pours out of him. If anybody doesn't understand about Nick and the connection with the fans, you just watch promos like that. Oh, absolutely. I'll say this. It was a great night. I loved their debut in Hartford at, at the Webster Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, technically just the Webster now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I dug it. I thought there was a good crowd there. The crowd was hot all night. And uh, hey, it's Game Changer Wrestling. We'll be talking about Game Changer Wrestling in a moment. Unfortunately, we will not be talking about Jersey Championship Wrestling because as we're recording Peak Behind the Curtain, it is Sunday and that show is on right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll catch you up on the socials and everything. But if you had, did not check out Jersey Championship Wrestling's uh, big-ass birthday brawl, check it out on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel for absolutely free. That doesn't cost you a thing, and there's some great matches on there, including Agreed. the East-West Express taking on, uh, what, what is the full name? Time Machine. Yes. Because it's Kushida and the Motor City Machine Gun, so it's Time Machine. Yeah. Because usually it's just the Time Splitters if it's, you know, Alex, it's Shelley. Alex Shelley, but no, this is the full-on Time Machine. Let's talk about another show that went down also at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this past Saturday, July the 8th. And it was the first time that MLW had a PLE, if you will, Mm -hmm. on Fight Plus. That deal just got signed and inked. Of course, MLW presented Never Say Never from the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We'll always know it as the ECW Arena, but still. Let's talk about this card, shall we? Let's do it. The opening contest was for the MLW National Openweight Championship. Your champion, Jacob Fatu, a member of the Samoan SWAT team, took on the big man, Calvin Tankman. This match got 9 minutes and 51 seconds, and it was a war. And at the end of the day, and still your MLW Openweight Champion, Jacob Fatu. How good is Jacob Fatu? Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Next up, the MLW Women's World Featherweight title and the WXW Women's title were on the line. Your MLW Women's World Featherweight champion, Delmi Exo, taking on the WXW Women's title, or champion, sorry, Ava Evert. This match got six minutes and 44 seconds, but don't be fooled by the shortness. Mm -hmm. They just went in there and... (laughs) 
It was a it was a speed fest. I thought this match was great. Uh, at the end of the day, though, your new WXW Women's Champion and your still MLW Women's World Featherweight Champion, Delmi Exo. Yeah, great match for the time it was. And and take nothing away from the short time of it. They got everything in. <laughs> Next up, Tracy Williams defeated Timothy Thatcher via referee's decision, 8 minutes and 26 seconds. And uh, there's a good reason for referee stoppage. Yeah. Uh, we said uh, wear your mouth guard to watch this one. Yeah, eight. it only was 8 minutes, but yeah, my teeth still hurt today. Agreed. Next up. Country whipping match. Good old Mancer, the old Mance Warner taking on Sam Adonis. This match got 12 minutes and 37 seconds. At the end of the day, old Mancer beat that ass, <laughs> whooped that ass. And uh, the SGC uh, made the save because uh, the Azteca, uh, mass Azteca men came out and tried to uh, interfere, but then Microman and the, uh, and the SGC came to cut that off. Yeah. And, of course, Mance Warner gets the victory over Sam Adonis. Next up for the MLW World Tag Team Championships, fans bring the weapons match. Your champions, the Samoan SWAT team, Juicy Fenway and Lance Inouye, taking on the calling team of Akira and RSP. This match got 11 minutes and 18 seconds. This match was barbaric. Mm -hmm. It was hardcore. It was everything we thought it was going to be. And at the end of the day, by hook or by crook. And your new MLW World Tag Team Champions, The Calling, Akira and Ricky Shane Page. Of course, Akira is also the MLW Middleweight Champion. Yeah. Therefore, he's holding double gold. The Calling, led by Raven is definitely trying to make an impact in MLW. Definitely a solid match. And yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where they're going from here. In the main event of the evening for the MLW World Heavyweight Championship, your champion Alex Hammerstone in the face that runs the place and has for basically three and a half years, mm -hmm. takes on member of the Bumaye Fight Club. Alex Kane, he would have other Bumaye Fight Club members, Mr. Thomas and O'Shea Edwards, in his corner. They did not interfere in the match, though. Well, uh, Mr. Thomas did slightly with a distraction, but not anything egregious, I will say that. Uh, this match got 22 minutes and 28 seconds at the end of the day, and your new MLW World Champion, Alex Kane. Little notes here. Uh, it came out that the financier of the Bumaye Fight Club is none other than the legendary boxing promoter, Don King. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that off, but that was yeah, kind of interesting. it was interesting. And then on top of all of that, uh, the crowd in Philly. Usually Bumaye Fight Club is uh, the heel faction, but they were sadly behind Bumaye and Alex Kane for this match. Yeah, I mean, this match was throwing me off a little bit. I don't know why, but yet seeing the crowd reaction too. I'm going to say this. The main event didn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not super familiar with Alex Kane. I have seen him in a couple other matches, uh, but I haven't seen him in a lot of matches, so I can't, to be fair. And I just, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't do it for me. I've seen Alex Hammerstone have way better matches. He had a great feud with Jacob Fatu, yeah. especially when he became champion. And I just, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. As a whole, I will say this. MLW wasn't a bad show. It wasn't terrible. I said it to you best last night. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, eh, in the middle for me. Yeah. And the reason why is I don't feel like it was over. You know, you had in the beginning Matt Stryker say about how nobody thought they would ever be on fight and nobody, you know, thought that they were going to be back in the 2300. And it was kind of like this whole like pep talk about how MLW is back, baby. Mm. And then they delivered to me kind of just an episode of fusion. Yeah. 
And I just kind of, and it also this clocked in just over two hours and you're talking a PLE that you made a big deal about. Meanwhile, Game Changer Wrestling and Revolver on the same night, both had these great three hour shows. And so, I mean, and mind you, I watched this live, so I didn't watch the other shows first. So it's not like biased, like, oh man, I started and then I watched this show. Mm -hmm. I chose because it was the first PLE for MLW on Fight Plus to watch this first. I'm not saying it's not worth watching. I'm just saying that you would have thought that they would have came out and just thrown, you know, just thrown it all in the wall, went balls to the wall, if you will. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I caught the replay this morning because I was watching GCW yesterday, and like I said, catching up on the other cards here too. And for being touted as the premium live event and something very special, it didn't come across that way for whatever reason. I mean, it was a, still a solid show. Don't get me wrong, but when you think of you're making a debut, you're making a, you want to make a huge noise. With the show, I just don't think it, it hit that mark. I mean, I get it. They gave us some new champions. Sure. We saw the WXW title change. We saw the world tag team titles change. We saw the world title change. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. You know, we're, you know, obviously new generation, you're on fight. Cool. We're going to go in there with some new champions. Mm -hmm. All right. I get that. So I, that's fine. Uh, the announcement was made for their draft days, which they do every year when they sign new people. They are now bringing in. The indie god, Matt Cardona. Yeah. The king of the deathmatch, if you will. So he's coming into MLW. So that was a big win for them, you know, as he continues his indie journey slash MLW, giving him some more dates. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I thought it was just a little underwhelming. Like there was some things that happened that were cool. Like the Don King reveal I thought was very good. It just was underwhelming as a whole. And I, I'm kind of upset about that in a little way, but I'm not. Like, let's see what they can do. Yeah. Maybe they were trying, weren't trying hard. I don't know. I don't want to say that. It sounds no, negative. No. I just, I just didn't know. It just, when I got done with the show, I told you, and this is not to be mad. I just kind of was meh. No, no. It I, wasn't, I, I wasn't mad. It wasn't bad. I wasn't unhappy that I watched it. I still thought it, I still enjoyed myself. But at the same time, I wasn't like, oh man, MLW, never say never. You know, they came out and slayed it their first time on Fight Plus. I just kind of was like, I walked out of it going, eh, you know, it was just a show. It was just the preconceived notion. Because whenever you hear about we're making a debut on Fight, there is something to that. And obviously, if you're anybody that's in the independent pro wrestling scene, you want to be on Fight. And you Absolutely. want you want to bring your A game. And it's not to say they didn't, but for some reason, and I agree with you, because like I said, I was watching this morning, it just felt like a normal show. Like it just didn't have that it factor concerning it, but it wasn't bad. Like it's worth watching. Don't get me wrong. But when you have that what idea. What were those expectations? Yeah. Well, when you have that idea in your head, like, okay, we're making a debut. We want we want to get everybody talking. They're talking, but it's not that really like, yo, did you see this show? Oh, my God. Right. And once again, like I said, that's just my opinion. Yeah, give it a chance. Same. And I'm going to continue to give them a chance. I'll continue to watch. Oh, okay. Keep and watching. And hopefully, hopefully when they come back for, I do believe, according to the fight schedule, and it could change because, you know, things change. Parts they'll, be back, change. they'll be back for Fury Road in September. So unless they have it at a show, like, a, I mean, they'll be there every week with Fusion and Underground and stuff like that, but they'll be back with another PLE in September, unless that changes and they do it in uh, and one in August. But as of right now, according to Cage Match and Fight, I could all I could find was in September, mm -hmm. Fury Road. So now that that's been, we had one more show going down that we have to review still, Ken. Can yeah, you, you believe got, it? you got to fill me in on this one. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, also on Saturday, July the 8th, Revolver, Pro Wrestling Revolver, presented Texas Toasted from the Epic at the Grand Prairie 
uh, in Grand Prairie, Texas. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So the Epic at Grand Prairie from Grand Prairie, Texas. Damn, say that five times yeah, fast. No, thank you. <laughs> Next. All right, let's kick it off. First match of the evening. Exodus Prime defeated Rich Swan in 10 minutes and 16 seconds. Exodus Prime is a Texas wrestler. Impressed me big. Okay. This is the first time I've seen Exodus Prime. I'm going to be honest with you. And Rich going in there tying up with Rich Swan is a, is a good fucking sign. Okay. Definitely checking this out, obviously. The Murder Hawk Monster, Lance Archer defeated Matthew Palmer, six minutes and 59 seconds. I don't think he was ready for that. There's some clips on the internet if you haven't seen them already. Uh, Matthew Palmer ate some, uh, let's just say, guardrail. <laughs> oh. Uh, the Murder Hawk Monster had his way. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It was a good match, though. Oh, no. Next up, Tommy Becker defeated Kerry uh, Wright, nine minutes and one seconds. Not, I was not familiar with either. Very, very impressed. Okay. Next, the PWR Remix Championship. By the way, new title, new design title on the line. Your champion, Alex Shelley, and he defeated Zachary once, 12 minutes and three seconds. Really? Which is kind of weird because the Rascals have been kind of heels as of late. Yeah. And Alex Shelley's a heel in Pro Wrestling Revolver. I kind of was, it was kind of a weird dichotomy because the crowd, I don't think the crowd knew fully what to do. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of nothing against it was a great match. Oh, I'm sure. Well, but it was just kind of like but... it was heel versus heel. And I mean, Shelly ended up winning the day as the heel because let's be honest, Alex Shelly as a heel is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, no. It's... Nothing against Zachary Wentz. Next up, tag team match. The ABC, Ace Austin and Chris Bay defeated Children of the Scorned, Gabe Wilder and Tommy Prince, 10 minutes and 24 seconds. ABC does what ABC does. Great match. Mm-hmm. In a Texas street fight. Ready for it? Okay. Ali Catch, representing the unit, defeated the Callahan Death Machine. What? Sammy Callahan, 16 minutes and one seconds. This was a hardcore Texas street fight. I want to call it a death match. It was just oh, okay. a street fight. Uh, they, got, they got violent. There was some, a little bit of blood to be had. However, I will say this, given the hardcore rules, Ali Catch also defeated Sammy Callahan clean. Wait, what? Yes, so there was no interference for her to win. She won the no match JT clean. Dunn, no, no, clean. As clean as you get in a hardcore match. Right, right. Well, I knew but it was hardcore. Yeah, I knew it was hardcore. I mean, that's obviously Sammy's specialty. So Ali winning, I mean, that's awesome, but without any interference, like that's, that's such, a, you know, kudos to her. Returning to his home state of Texas, the uh, man who you can bask in his glory, the limitless Keith Lee, took on Aaron Eagles. Uh, 11 minutes, 30 seconds. Keith Lee gets the win. Uh, Keith Lee did an open challenge and said, hey, listen, I came through the Texas scene. I worked my way up to where I am now. So I want to give a young, talented kid, whoever thinks that they're young and talented and wants a shot at Keith Lee, can take the shot. Aaron Eagle stepped up. And by the way, a very impressive match. Uh, I like the young kid, but at the end of the day, he could not beat the Limitless. Yeah. And next in the main event of the evening in a no ropes fight pit match, Speedball Mike Bailey defeated J.D. Griffey 10 minutes and 35 seconds. This was sped up like uh, the setup for Bloodsport. A lot, of, a lot of promotions are doing that lately. So they just took the ropes down. I don't like the fact that they called it a pit match because they should have just said, you know, no ropes. I don't think they can call it blood sport. Right. But at the same point in juncture, if you think the blood sport style, the ring ropes were down, they they were going by strikes and uh, you could get knocked out or, you know, tap out, you know, whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, Speedball Mike Bailey made KD Griffey uh, tap out. A little bit of exchange mm-hmm. after the match. Uh, KD Griffey even at one point go to juncture wanted to shake his hand and goes, this ain't over, man. And Mike Bailey goes, well, judging by where you're laying, it is over. <laughs> so fair point, fair gotta, point. Got to give it up for Speedball Mike Bailey, one of the best out there doing it currently. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's going to do it for the reviews, but we got some shows coming up this upcoming weekend you can check up over on Fight Plus as well. And speaking of which, coming up on Friday night, July the 14th, from the Melrose Ballroom in New York City, Queens, New York to be specific, Game Changer Wrestling presents Now and Forever. You ready to talk about what's on this card? Can't wait to talk about this. In a six-man tag team extravaganza, we can call this team Team Legend as Grim Reefer tags with Homicide and the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont, <sighs> to take on Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy F. and Lloyd and Los Maciso Ciclope Amiedo Extremo. Of course, this is in New York City, so it will not be a death match. I was just going to say. It's going to get a little hardcore, though, but think about it. Three legends against the Macisos E. Jimmy? You talk about East Coast wrestling... And those three gentlemen are in that conversation for legends. Absolutely. So uh, this is going to be a great match. I, I would say, like, I, or no, normally I'd be like a little disappointed it's not a death match, but they're still going to bring it. They're still going to go hardcore with this. Next up, uh, in the second appearance from Utami Hayashita, she's going to go one on one with independent wrestling Hall of Famer Lufisto. Ooh, that's going to be a great match. In a singles dream match. Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with the incomparable, the unstoppable, the Mr. Five-Star Wrestling himself, Yoshishiko. And if you don't know who Yoshishiko is, uh, check out any videos from DDT. Oh, my God. And when I say Mr. Five-Star, Yoshishiko's had five-star matches. With the likes of the great Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. with the likes of Kota Ibushi, and the many others, uh, Yoshishiko is a... Is a uh, for lack of a better term, a sex doll. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. I'm expecting another five star match with this. Next up in a triple threat match, this is one that uh, for the ages, the base god Gringo Loco goes against Arez and Commander. Oh, so triple threat, lucha, lucha, lucha. They're gonna be flying all over the place here. And a tag team, and a mixed tag team match, I should say. The king of the deathmatch, Matt Cardona, tags with the queen, self mm-hmm. for both, of the deathmatch, Steph DeLander to take on Bussy, Alley Catch, and Daddy. Oh, that'll be a fun Effie. match. That the old rivalry renewed. Yeah. You want to talk about it? Uh, New York City is going to get an old school Southern fight because the Southern psychopath, Matt Warner, goes one-on-one with Southern legend, George South. Wait, 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 wait. Run that back? George South. Is coming to New York City. He's coming to New York. And he's taking on the old mancer. Uh, Take my money now. (laughs) I don't know what, how the hell this got booked. I'm just just surprised. I'm just surprised it didn't get booked when they were down in uh, doing the Atlanta show. Hey, remember we brought Action Mike Jackson. We were there at the show up to New York. So now we're bringing George South in. Uh, next up, the Game Changer Wrestling Tag Team titles will be on the line. Your champions, the East-West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, will be going against the House of Glory Tag Team Champions, the Bookers, the Amazing Red and Brian XL, of course. A co- a mo- about a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. the Bookers stole the GCW World Tag Team Championships. They are in possession of the belts, and they said, hey, if you if you two young kids want these belts back, you got to come to our home turf in New York City and you have to get them back from us there. So can the young can the young goat, Nick Wayne, and the East Coast Ace, Jordan Oliver, can they defeat the legend, I, I would say, legendary team oh, yes. of Amazing Red and Brian XL, the Bookers? Man, this is probably going to be the match of the weekend, and that's saying something. Um, Listen, I'm going to say the East-West Express is done. I, I, I'm going to say they're not Ooh, bringing the, the Bookers are going to win. The Bookers are going to go over. 
So, House of Glory versus GCW on the horizon. I feel it. The legendary team of the Bookers. I, I can see that happening. Yeah, but I can see the I can see the young goats breaking it out too. So this is gonna be this is gonna be a great match. Oh yeah, regardless, it's gonna be a phenomenal match. I'll tell you what, I'm agreeing with you. This could be the match of the weekend, and that's on a weekend that has an Impact Wrestling page uh-huh. and everything else. Honestly, this is a match you want to see Friday night. Seek it out. Yes. And of course, last but certainly not least, for the Game Changer Wrestling World Championship, your champion, All Heart Blake Christian, will be defending the title against the return of Mao. Mao is returning to the States. Oh, wow. And he's taking on Blake Christian for the Game Changer Wrestling World Championship, proving once again that that belt is truly a world championship. Facts. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not all we got going down on fight. No, 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 no. I mean, obviously, in the main event, we're going to talk about the Impact Wrestling. However, before we can even get there, there's one more indie card, and it's a big one. Are you ready? This upcoming uh, Saturday, July the 15th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard mm -hmm. Time, from the Tadmore Shrine in Akron, Ohio, AIW presents Absolution 16. That's right, AIW's biggest show of the year, and they are back and better than ever. Are you ready to talk about what's announced so far? This is all that's announced so far. We got about uh, two for five matches. I'm sure that there's going to be at least three more added, at least Okay. Are you ready to talk about Absolution? It's AIW. Let's do it. I know Eric Bischoff will be in the house for this as well. Oh, wow. Nick, uh, first off, we got a tag team war as Brian Carson and PB Smooth will go up against the Bone Collector, Dominic Garini, and his prize student, Shaw Mason. Remember, okay. Carson and Smooth have had a lot of problems with Mason, and mm -hmm. finally Garini stood up for his student. We're going to get it on. That's going to be a great match. In a singles match, which could have future implications as far as the AIW Women's Championship, which is still technically held by Shayna Baszler. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. Ziggy Heim will go one-on-one -on -one with Jocelyn Navarro. Finally, Ziggy got the win, if you remember, at the last show. Right, right. Can she get it done again? I don't know, but that's also going to be another solid match. In a call-out moment, as a veteran team is going to uh, welcome the, a young team into the ranks, if you will, to infinity and beyond, Cheech and Colin Delaney will take on members only, Calvin G. Lewis and Malcolm Cambridge. Can the Young Bucks get it done against the old Wiley Vets until infinity and beyond? I don't know, but I'll be tuned in to watch. By the way, the most decorated AIW tag team of all time until infinity and beyond. I believe it. And shout-outs to Colin Delaney, who most recently got married. So hey, congratulations. congratulations. Uh, next up, for the AIW Intense Championship, so their secondary belt, if you will, your champion, the director, Derek Dillinger, with Ziggy Heim in his corner, goes one-on-one -on -one against our good buddy, the Maserati himself, Wes oh, Barkley. Let's go. Can Wes finally get some championship gold? Well, he's had tag gold right, right, with, the, with the Rip City Shooters. However... Can he get some singles gold finally? Remember, Big Joshua Bishop's been champion. He's been intense champion. Mm. He's been absolute champion. He's been intense and absolute champion at the same time. Hell, he had both of those belts plus the tag titles with Wes. Can Wes finally get into that singles title match? It's time for the Maserati. I'm calling it. And last but not least, announced for the main event of the evening for the AIW Absolute Championship, your champion, the indie god, Matt Cardona, with Steph DeLander and Bill Alfonso in his corner is going to go one-on-one -on -one with a man who won the gauntlet for the gold to earn this spot, the big man himself, Isaiah <laughs> Bronner. I'm going to tell you, I'm going and new all day. I'm right there with you. I don't know. He took out two, He took out PME, who are Cardona's henchmen in AIW. Mm -hmm. Cardona, though, is a man of many tricks. He still has Steph Delander and Bill Alfonso outside the ring. You never know if you'll have a Brian Myers That's appearance. I was going to say Brian Myers. He's got a, he's got a bag of tricks. 
But the big man, Isaiah Bronner, are now beating people with the Steiner screwdriver, which is scary enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's a big man. That's an angry man. I'm going in with Anu. But we'll find out this upcoming Saturday, July the 15th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, over on Fight Plus. So $7.99 and all those great shows that we reviewed that you could go back and watch. Plus, you got a couple shows coming up next week, and there's shows coming out every week, so... It's the best price in wrestling. Mm-hmm. That is going to do it for the mid card of this week's 607 TWS. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we got a little bit of WWE and AW news we want to you know, give opinions on. But more importantly, we are going to break down and review Impact Wrestling Slammiversary 2023 after this final break. edition of 607TWS. And of course, we're going to end this uh, main event segment with our preview of Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary 2023. But before we do that, there's a couple things floating around in the ether that we would like to give our take and opinions on. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, I am going to, uh, from now on, refer to myself as Rich Don't Miss. (laughs) Because I was the, pretty much the only person in the entirety of of pro wrestling podcasting that wasn't just thinking that the uh, announcement of possible WrestleMania in London was just an incomplete shot or mostly a shot at AEW. No, 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 no. It was a business move. And of course, we, as we saw, Parliament is now started talking mm-hmm. about how to lower WWE there for it. And also, Ken, I, you don't have to get into specifics, but uh, I do believe that we got a press release from WWE. Yes, we did. That stated uh, in, in paraphrasing... What about Money in the Bank? Money in the Bank was the highest grossing arena event in WWE history. $5.4 million gate. Yeah, for the weekend there with SmackDown 2 and uh, merch sales was up. Viewership was through the roof. All around, like, the numbers don't miss with that one. Merch sales were second only to WrestleMania, mm-hmm. as far as the, the release said. Uh, social media is the, the highest non-WrestleMania yep. for social media exposure as well. Yeah. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. So, once again, they were trying to uh, go in there. Now, once again, I give credit to you and other people. It is valid. I'm sure there was a shot towards AEW. But there was more, like I said, they were more flexing on the city of London and the United Kingdom going, hey, ball's in your court. 
Give us a deal on that building. Bring us in. Because once again, it's a bidded on show. So I'm fully anticipating if it's not WrestleMania 41, because God knows if that's already been settled or not, because they usually start bidding for these things out, I was going to say, like eight, eight months out, they usually start bidding. Well, usually, usually for it's kind of like the Super Bowl. They usually like to be a year ahead. Mm-hmm. So that would mean 41 has already have a spot. Now, mind you, that could be bumped. Right. Like I was trying to explain this to another friend uh, at a barbecue this weekend. I said, technically, yes, it could be somewhere, but as long as it hasn't been announced, you can bump it. Yeah. And then you can go back to wherever it was before. Just that means that London would have to step up with even more money. So I would either assume if that doesn't happen, that you would probably see WrestleMania 42 in London. I do fully anticipate we're going to get WrestleMania there. And I think in the meantime, I wouldn't be surprised if London, England does not get SummerSlam or the Royal Rumble in the next two years leading into that WrestleMania. Oh. Because if even if they're out until 43, so it's going to be 42 or 43, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And so I would say t- to hold over that time because of the big business, and I'm not saying at Wembley, it would probably either be at the O2 if it's going to be in London or – you know, they could go outside of London like they've done in the past yeah. with uh, Clash of the Castle. Mm-hmm. I think that the UK will have a major, a major pay-per-view in between the time that now and their WrestleMania. But their WrestleMania will be coming there. I, in fact, I don't doubt they'll get the, the Rumble next year. I, would, I wouldn't I would be surprised. Yeah. I mean, so you're talking 20, are you talking about this upcoming? Yeah, no, 2024. 2024? Oh, that'd be a quick turnaround, but I could see it. Yeah. If not, I would say if if let's say that they're not getting WrestleMania until forty two, I could see the twenty twenty five Rumble being there too. Yeah, like, I would like, say the year before not. they go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I but I fully think with the numbers they did, and especially like I say with everything that came on that press release, there's no way unless some city goes completely all in, no pun intended, to outbid London. Which I mean, it could happen in theory, but. I, th- I think that now with that with those numbers behind it, I think there's a lot more strength to that. And I'm 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 gonna say I'll be the first to say it, and I don't think this is likely. Mm. I I think the WrestleMania 41 has probably already been bid and booked. Like they probably have it already. I think for Vegas, I think they've already got it penciled in. I think somebody's already bid and won. Mm. But I would say this: there is a possibility, a small possibility. I would say you know we like 80 20 because yeah. I'll say 80 20. 80 percent is already booked. Mm. There's a 20 percent possibility though if London can come with a big enough offer, they might swap 41 and 42. So if let's say Vegas, yeah. uh, we don't know anything. No, no, I'm but just, let's I'm say guessing. That, yeah. let's say that Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium is the ho- is the current penciled in host mm. of WrestleMania 41. Let's say that. Yeah, because we're just using it as an example. We're not breaking news we're not here. Breaking I don't news. want anybody you know, to think it was whatever. My you guess. Know. It's just yes. his guess, and I think it's a good guess. It is a likely place. Mm. There's a few places. I think Safeco is another one. Yep. Because I they haven't been to Seattle in a while, and they've done it there before. So I'm I'm st- I'm thinking there's I think the West Coast is going to get it since we're going to be on the East Coast. Correct. All right. That's where I'm going. With my I'm logic, just going to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. And I know Vegas isn't technically on the coast, but it's out west. It's close to the coast. It's west enough. Listen, it's only like an hour and a half drive from Los Angeles. Yep. So so it's not that far from the coast. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I digress. I think that there's a 20% chance that London, after all this, comes in and goes, hey, we're going to give you this tax break, this amount of money, this, this deal on the stadium. Bring WrestleMania here next year. Mm. And if they come with a big enough one, I'm sure that they can go to Las Vegas and say, hey, we haven't announced anything yet. Is that cool? You, you know, we'll give it to you for the, you know, we'll give you a slight discount, whatever. And I'm sure Vegas will be like, yeah, fuck oh, it. Oh, yeah, they'll do it, yeah. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out no, there. No, so no, there I, is a chance 41 does happen in London. I don't, I think that it's a very small chance because I think you would have to do some work 
to outbid what's already on penciled in. Yeah. Because I really do believe, just like the NFL, well, we know that they're bid on, but I think like the NFL, they try to get a year ahead. So I think they've already penciled in. They just don't make the announcement until after the Royal Rumble. Usually now, not until WrestleMania, unless it's a big announcement. No, you, like I say, about eight months out, usually it seems like we start hearing a couple of cities being rumored. Right. And then it gets a little closer, obviously, as we get into the real WrestleMania season. Obviously, by WrestleMania, they make the official announcement. Oh, yeah. We'll see. You'll see the graphic pop up at the Which show. I, we knew Philadelphia was already – we we they made the announcement for Philly after the Rumble this year. It was just kind of – it was a big deal for them because it's 40. Right. We didn't get to see the commercial slash graphic until Mania, though. Right. Correct. So I would imagine that would rather be the closest time. But like I say, hypothetically, because like I say, we're not breaking news, but if they do the Rumble in London next year, then that would say, hey, we're going to be back for WrestleMania. Like, I could see them making an announcement there. And if the not, if, if if they're off by a year, if they don't get 41, They'll they get, get 42. 42. Uh, I think that, or like if they don't get, if they get 43, what, however it works, I mm-hmm. think you're right. The year before, they'll get the Rumble. Yeah. So if they don't get the Rumble in 2024, they might get the Rumble in 2025. Yeah. If, could... if Mania is going there in 26, they'll get it in 25. If Mania is going there in 25, they'll get it in 24. Or SummerSlam, if there's not as, if they can't turn the Rumble around that quickly. Does right. that make sense? Because no. we're, we're close to having to book the Rumble anyways, right. the, the venue. So if they couldn't get that already, it'll be a SummerSlam. Right. Either way, they're going to be in the United Kingdom, I think, for one of the main pay-per-views before yeah, the WrestleMania. Because I could see them also announcing, too, like, that's when they're coming with Mania to get that huge crowd emotion. Like, hey, you guys have been – like, you could see somebody come out and address the crowd and say, hey, John you guys, Cena again, yeah, maybe, could, and do the victory lap. Hey, listen, last time I was out here, I said I was advocating for you guys. Well, yeah. guess what? We won. Yeah. So you I'm here see, tonight to announce that WrestleMania, whatever, is coming here. Yeah. Wembley Stadium, WrestleMania, two nights. Tickets go on sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what I say. They'll go right into the whole spiel. And that's why I could actually see SummerSlam over Rumble, especially if it's the WrestleMania in 2025. So that would be 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 41. No. Yeah. 26 no, you're right. You're right. I was right. Uh, I could totally see. It being SummerSlam because that would be, that's right around time tickets go on sale. Yeah, so it'd be perfect. Oh yeah, by the way, this upcoming Friday tickets on sale. Boom! Could you imagine that? That'd be smart. Whew. That would be smart booking, right? We'll there. find out. But once again, I, I got to take the lap. I got to say, mm-hmm. you know, rich don't miss. <laughs> rich don't miss. The shirts will be coming out on three offend. We gotta we gotta we gotta design a shirt. Rich don't miss. It's like mellow, baby. Anyways, let's talk about uh, what you have deemed cinema. And yes. I know there's been some people like, this ain't real cinema, it's not a movie. It, it, call your bricks. It's a television performance. Yeah, seriously. You're going to hear performative art here in this segment a little bit uh, on top of this. But uh, this past Friday, SmackDown, Bloodline, continuing on. Ken, I know you have some thoughts about what uh, we saw this past uh, Friday on SmackDown. I mean, seriously, the best storyline in wrestling keeps going. And we knew that they were going to be announcing the entire show at Madison Square Garden was, was centered around the tribal court. And the trial of Roman Reigns and what was going to happen there with the bloodline. And I know they spent a good portion of the opening segment. I want to say 35 minutes. It was close to 40 minutes from what I understood. But okay. Yes. But somewhere there where they were going over about what was going on and they're building up about the Usos and what they're saying with Roman. And like I say, just pure emotion here. And then you do have where we get so much going on with Jimmy Uso getting taken out by ambulance. So this is after... Roman is ready to pass the tribal chief honor to Jay. He does the fake tear with crying and then gives him the nut shot and then all hell breaks loose. And then Roman comes out at the end of the show 
to address the crowd and, you know, finally do the acknowledge me. And then Jay comes in and he's fighting him off by himself. And then he calls him out, setting up the match for SummerSlam. With the belt in his hand. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people online, and I was even jumping in a couple chats. I know Sean Ross Sapp even made a comment about this too, that there was a lot of people that were complaining about the length of time the bloodline got over the rest of the show. And my argument was, uh, with all due respect, because I, I, I people were really centering it around at least the gist I got of it with AJ Styles and uh, Karrion Cross, that their match was so short and like you know uh, people are just very mad about that and the bloodline guess. The LA Knight wasn't on television. Yeah, he wasn't on TV. Whatever. I look at it and I go like this: What storyline is generating the numbers and views and reactions like the bloodline? With nothing against Styles and Cross, but. If you have that storyline and you're letting it build because this is what's going to drive you right to WrestleMania, let's be honest, wouldn't you give it enough time to let it breathe? I look at it like this. Uh, For anybody complaining, if it's not for you, that's fine, whatever. But there's no reason to complain. Here's the thing. You are coming into a big show at Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden is the home of world wrestling entertainment. It has been since it was the WWWF. It's been there for, you know, Vince's grandfather was running shows at the Garden. Vince's dad ran shows at the Garden. Vince runs shows at the Garden. You know, even for those of us who've been watching WWF or WWE our whole lives, there's a part of us that's been sad lately that most of the New York City shows are ran at the Barclays and not at the Garden because the Garden is the home of World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Hell, they do a year year ending show there in December, right around right after Christmas usually, yeah. at as a house show, and usually you have some large names there. Mm. They pull out like a pay per view quality return level of people for the New York crowd at Madison Square Garden. So with a little bit of history there, that is why the Garden is so important to World Wrestling Entertainment and to fans that have grown up where that was the most important building. I understand it's not anymore. It is what it is. But there's still a mystique, if you will. The fact that they came back there for SmackDown, especially after a big pay-per-view like Money on the Bank, was really kind of like, oh, telling. So you had to come with something for the New York audience. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I always say you were booking for wrestling fans at home. And here's where the difference is. They were booking for fans at home and in attendance. Yeah. The Bloodline storyline is the best storyline going on in pro wrestling right now. Roman Reigns is not on TV every week. He's going to be at the Garden. Mm -hmm. So we have to lay the groundwork for SummerSlam because obviously we're doing Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. I mean, it could change and they could add multi-people. But as of right now as it stands, Jey Uso will be challenging Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championship at SummerSlam. The man who is the only person to pin Roman's shoulders to the mat, that's right, Mm -hmm. in three and a half years, will challenge Roman Reigns at SummerSlam for that title. That is an important oh, piece of huge. business. It's huge. And I get it. I'm an AJ Styles fan. I love Karrion Cross. I'd love to see them have a longer match. I've heard rumors that the bloodline was only supposed to get 20 minutes and they took 40. Mm. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. It's the best thing going. Yeah. And I hear people going, well, LA Knight's little backstage segment got more views than the clips. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So cool, LA night's over. You know, these are the same people who kept shoving Sami Zayn down her throats. Mm-hmm. Guess what happened? Sami Zayn cooled off. Yeah. Just like who said in this room? Oh, that was me. Mm-hmm. And when everybody was going on that crazy kick, I said, Oh, it's gonna be just like Kofi Kingston because wrestling fans are uh-huh. fickle. And guess what? Wrestling fans. So even if you put the belt on him, don't give me this bullshit that oh, it's because they didn't put the belt on him. No, he still had a great match. And I'm not saying that he's not over because he is. Him and Kevin are always gonna be over. Yeah. However, 
is he as hot as he was when he was going, when he left the bloodline and went against Roman Reigns or even at WrestleMania? No. 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 And it has nothing to do because they're featured heavily on Raw every week. Am, mm-hmm. am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's the whole point they about it. They have segments, not segment, segments yeah. on Raw. Yeah. Hell, they were featured before the main event of the Bloodline uh, Civil War when they weren't even on that damn card. Mm-hmm. That's how much they're stars. So whatever. Don't give me this. They're not stars or not treated like stars bullshit. Yeah. Let's just be, let's be honest here, right? So I just don't get it. I Like I said, if a lot of people bitching and complaining are the people who are complaining anyways, and I don't think they're watching the product, and I don't even know if they're AEW fans. I mean, I'm sure there's some tribalism shit going on, but at the same time, a lot of people are just out there to complain for complaint's sake. Yeah. It's the same people who complain over and over again, but then when they get what they want, they change it real quick. Remember Kofi Mania? Remember mm. Mir- uh, Rusev Day? Remember? There's a list and list and goes on. The one consistent is that the bloodline has delivered. Mm-hmm. So why not give it the stage on the grandest stage in Madison Square Garden to set up SummerSlam? Because granted, I don't know if he'll be on next week or not, but Roman might not be on SmackDown next week. He might not be on the week after. We might not see him for a couple weeks, and that's fine. Right. So this is our time to get Jey Uso that moment because it's got to be a big deal that the guy that pins you is now getting a shot at you at SummerSlam. And I think it was perfect. That's my opinion. Could have done with a little less time, sure. But at the same point in juncture, I'm not going to complain either. Yeah. No, I mean, even to see what uh, Sean posted, too, because he even said, and I'll even quote him, the Bloodline-related stuff ended up getting about 48 uh, minutes of the two-hour shows. And he was asking people how he felt about it. So I, mean, I give him his due about that. And I saw a lot of other people were commenting, too, like the Bloodline you know, got so much time. And it's like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And that's the thing. So my question here is, that would you have rather us not set the table for SummerSlam right. in a big, bad way? So we could have given an extra five, ten minutes to AJ Styles and Karrion Cross, who I don't think are in a real story. Exactly. Like, I know they had the, the, the... So we could bring, instead of LA Knight coming out and just doing a confrontation of somebody on the... Hit Row. Which, got, which was Hit Row. But just instead of him... Well, it could have been somebody else. Right. That's why I'm saying, it was Hit Row in this case. But my point of the matter is just for him to come out, just to make an appearance on the show, a couple minute appearance, we are supposed to cut that short. When, guess what? It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It drove all of you to the WWE YouTube channel mm-hmm. or TikTok or wherever you watched it to watch that video. Yeah. They did. This is what we've been saying that if Tony Khan and AEW want to listen, this is how you build your media empire. Mm-hmm. WWE has been doing it for a while now, and they've been doing it very successfully since Triple H has been in charge of these quote unquote viral or purposely viral moments. Remember when they were letting fans put up videos of fights outside of the building? Yeah. And they purposely didn't film them themselves because it made it feel more real? Remember that? Mm -hmm. And they were sharing the shit out of them? Or when the fans were doing the the rabbit? Yeah. Remember all of that stuff? Mm -hmm. They've been doing this for a while. So here, once again, they filmed this one and put it out themselves, and they got the clicks that they wanted. Guys. It's easy peasy. What's the difference between doing that or doing it on television? So you at home could go, yeah. <laughs> what are, what are, you, are you doing that at home? Like, is listen, me and you, when we're watching together, we have some fun and whatever. Yeah. But like, if I'm sitting no on my couch intended. by myself, I'm not just going, yeah. I know. I'm not yelling at the TV. Let me talk to you. I'm but, not going L A. Like, like that's weird. I mean, if you're doing that, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> but but at the, at the same time, it's the house. The house crowd is what's important, and they got it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. That you got it online. Yeah. That you're watching at home and you get the story they're telling. But I didn't think anything of it because you know what? That storyline is so engaging. What else is is crossing over like this? And I'm sorry to have LA Knight come out and, and do his spiel. Like I'm sorry, even the, the the end of show promo he did. It wasn't that great. He was very short, very sweet and out of there. 
Exactly. So that's was, all it was. But he was just there to, for the crowd that was in attendance. Exactly. So if we don't see him on TV, like I say, it's still people that are complaining that he didn't win money in the bank. And it's like, stop. Stop already. It went to a better story. Yeah. W- 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 let's wait and see where it goes. Yeah. Before you crucify someone. That's what I've been saying. And I've been saying this in, even over in AEW. Mm-hmm. Let's not crucify things like too quickly. Like we let it breathe. And then if it sucks, we call, you know, we call it what it is. Right. Uh, speaking of which, like, like perfect example, AEW could have done some of those, like those vignettes that they did with Adam Cole and MJF that ate up like five minutes of time. Mm. They could have just put that on the internet, got extra clicks on YouTube and it would have been just the same thing. Exactly. They didn't need to have that on TV. Cause what did it really do for anybody? Like, you know, the, the, the truck and when they got into the car and stuff, you know what I'm talking about? The party oh, yeah, time. Yeah, shit, exactly. Right? It's, it's, it's the, or it's, him and the, hit them at the fucking gym. Yeah. That could have been done online. It's like, it's like they're trying to do the, in, in my opinion, they're trying to do the rock and sock connection. And it's like, I'm sorry, you can do this online because from when they used to do it on the show there, obviously things have changed and we can go viral on many multiple platforms. That's what you should be doing. And you can make money that way. Exactly. Advertisers just throwing it out there. And I'm, that's one of judgment on AEW. I'm just saying that's where no, they but, could, they could you capitalize it. And that's what WWE did. And you guys watched it and you're fine. That's cool. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I just think that the show is the place for, especially because Roman probably won't be on SmackDown next week. Let's be honest. Right. Um, that's anything else that you want to talk about as relates to that or WWE. No, just, you know, to close with it, it's like, I had no issue with the time of it. I know some people, like I say, were, uh, commenting about it and even like trying to make a big argument about it but it's like what else would you substitute out like that's my argument and you could say what LA Knight and what a throwaway match unless he was facing Austin Theory early as you've talked about mm-hmm. him getting the mid-card title like they're doing everything right with his character and you're making him into an attraction I fully anticipate that's still happening I oh yeah I, whether it's I'm assuming SummerSlam or even if it's the pay-per-view after I think the LA Knight will be the United States champion because they're going to need a workhorse champion because it's not like Roman's losing it at SummerSlam. Right. I'd be surprised. They could pull the trigger, but I'd be surprised. I would be very shocked if they did. Nothing against Jay. I think it's going to be a great match. I could see it ending, you know, maybe with an accidental super kick by Jimmy or something like that. But I think that you're still going to have Jay in that title talk that going into Mania season, he could be a viable contender. So real quick, I want to touch on something with John Moxley. This has nothing to do with AEW, by the way. Uh, but John Moxley gave a whole dissertion in quotations mm-hmm. uh, to SI Wrestling and on why blood belongs in pro wrestling. I'm just going to read a small clip because I don't want to be here reading the article all day. It is an interesting read. But here's the clip that I'm going to read from it. And I quote, the point of the dissertion is that this is a combat sport, says Moxley, but we're not allowed to have blood in a match unless it's a personal grudge, question mark. We're only allowed to have blood after a five-month grudge, after someone slept with somebody's wife or somebody ran over somebody with a car, question mark. And then... And only then are we allowed to have this dramatic crimson mask that looks the exact same every single time, question mark. For me, realism-wise, since this is a combat sport, that means there is the potential for blood in every match. Everything in wrestling is preposterous to some degree, but this helps with the suspension of disbelief, end quote. Or end writing, technically. Yeah. Um, Here's my thing. Nothing against Mox on this, but... I said it a minute ago. We're going to talk about performative art. Pro wrestling is equal parts sport and equal parts performative art. Mm-hmm. And the problem with, and this is where I've always sided with blood. And mind you, this is, as a guy who watches death matches, which mm. by nature, they all have to have blood, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen one without. You, I don't think you can. Yeah. I mean, when you hit somebody with light tubes, it's just, it's going to happen. So take that with whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with him on one aspect that in reality, yes, there would be more blood. But the problem is, is that wrestling for as long as I've been a fan and longer than I've been alive and historian wise has always used blood as an effect. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and you could point like, well, Dusty bled every night. Well, in the territory days, and it wasn't every night, by the way. Right. But in the territory days, it was a little different because you were running the loop, whether it was whether you were in the same town every week in some territories or whether it was every two weeks or whatever. There wasn't a centralized TV in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a TV show. Right. So the loop is how they got it. So you were really just basically running the same matches in the loop. So the blood was used to the effect, especially back then with Dusty Rhodes, who was for the most part of his career, uh, the over baby face was the sympathy, you know, Ric Flair's jumping him, giving him the business and he busts him open. So now the crowd's like, Oh my God, Dusty's bleeding. We Mm got to be behind Dusty. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then of course, when Flair was bleeding, it was because Dusty was getting his revenge. So the crowd's like, yeah, the blood rage is there. So it was always used for effect. And so I do believe blood belongs in wrestling. Uh, is that part of it? You know what I mean? Yeah. However, if you start doing it all the time, and for no reason, it takes its meaning away. And at this point in juncture, and this is only a criticism, not on AEW, but on Moxley in particular, is that when CM Punk can come into a ring and cut a promo on you and say, hey, you've been out here for two minutes and you're not bleeding now yet, that's got to be some sort of a record, and mm-hmm. quote. And the crowd instantly goes, ooh, there's smoke to the fire. Yeah. And I feel like if you're bleeding too much, the crowd is just expecting it. So therefore, it has no impact on the crowd. That is my personal opinion. I'm not sure what your take is, but I'd love to hear it as well. Wrestling is sports entertainment, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. So I understand about the sense of realism, but at the same time, it's also entertainment. So with that being said, blood is used as a prop, not as a factual moment. Sorry, it is what it is. That's why you have a first blood match. In certain cases, I think he's off base about this because as much as you want to try saying this keeps it real and is supposed to affect the audience that way, they're not. When blood is used in pro wrestling it is for shock. It is supposed to add to your story. That's why when you see blood in the UFC, for example, and we always talk, there's certain fighters that will bleed almost instantly. Do we all sit at home and go, oh, man, they're bleeding. They're busted open. No, because we've seen it before. It takes away from that luster of you know the shock. And the same thing is in pro wrestling. That's why when you see, to a, even a other degree, when you see a constant beatdown after a match of certain factions running in, it loses its luster. It doesn't connect with the audience. We become numb to it. That is something that we're now seeing, in my opinion, with Moxley and AEW, that he's bleeding all the time. It's just like, okay, this just in, water's wet too. There's nothing to it to add to the storyline other than he's bleeding. Okay, well, it's not affecting him. It's not doing anything. He's just bleeding in a match. And if it's supposed to be part of the gimmick, I just don't get it. I don't think there's any sense for it. I think he's just completely off base on his idea for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I agree. And it's just something that I, it's just my personal take on it. Mm -hmm. Once again, like I said, I do believe blood belongs in wrestling, but to argue that it belongs all the time or frequently I mean, get it. Once again, death matches are the exception. Right. Death matches are one thing. And then especially if they were trying to do a raw underground type deal, like if they're really trying to do that every match. But there's a reason why death matches aren't on television all the time. Oh, exactly. Because let's be honest, when they put a real death match, which was Gage versus Jericho on Dynamite. People lost ooh, their minds. People lost their minds. Uh, advertisers pulled all sorts of stupid stuff. Remember? Mm-hmm. So I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, one last piece of business, and then we're going to go on to the preview. So we were running a little bit, but I had to get this in here uh, just because 
at something new that we've been championing. Well, it's not new that we've been championing. We've been championing that ratings don't matter for a while. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And last week, I really drove it in. I'm Once again, the only times you ever hear it brought up is, like I said, is as a gauge to figure out. You it's know, a temp if, in the room. It's, it's the temp in the room. It's same with ticket sales. But honestly, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me if if – AEW, and this is a number I'm pulling out for Collision, and it's real, mm-hmm. had a 3,000-seat venue, and they only sold 2,000 tickets. That means shit to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a temp in the room going, oh, shit, you know, it, you know, that's not a great place to be, but it's not. It's not the end all, As a wrestling all. fan, I still thought Collision was really good. I didn't get to watch it live because, obviously, I was watching MLW and Pro Wrestling Revolver. Sure. But I went back and watched it, you know, earlier today. Collision's and, been a good and show. I, and I've thought, and I've said that before, yeah. for, the, for the ratings tanking for Collision, it has nothing to do with the product. The product actually is really good. Mm-hmm. It's the best product they have. Agreed. It's just like what I used to say when NXT was not, you know, and it's never gotten great ratings for WWE, but we used to say for a while that it was the best product WWE was putting out mm-hmm. and it wasn't getting the ratings. The same thing with Collision. So that's why, you know, partially I don't give a damn because that doesn't mean what the temp in the room and the temp in the room with wrestling fans is the Collision is great. Yeah. Including myself, including you and a lot of other people we talked to. Mm-hmm. So, but, but to let it let, d- lay and die, you have to let it lay and die. So Tony Khan needs to stop tweeting things like he tweeted this past week. So Tony Khan, and I'm going to read from when it was, 2.16 p.m. on July the 7th, put out a tweet where, and I quote. So Thursday, okay. Yeah, where, and I quote. Or Friday, I'm sorry. It's a tweet. Hashtag AEW Dynamite was the number one show on cable slash satellite this Wednesday. Check out the data below. Uh, then he goes on to say, see you on TNT for a special 100th episode of Friday night. Uh, a hashtag AEW Rampage tonight plus Saturday nights all right for fighting and we have a huge night of wrestling on a hashtag AEW Collision tomorrow. I'm good with the I'm good with him promoting. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Here's the problem. He, so he puts the data track down, and this is a real problem. So uh, AEW did 855. Fine, don't okay. care. Whatever. Yeah, good number, right? Sure. Uh, so I'm not going to go into the, the, the full numbers. I'm just going to go from the 20 top 25 cable telecast for Wednesday, July 5th of 2023. Also, it's Friday when you put it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You said Thursday. So I yeah, no, I corrected this Friday. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, either way, I, the state and time. Yeah. So here's, here's the, here's what it is. It's just the list and what shows finished in the top mm-hmm. of all day. Yeah. Here's, here's AEW finished number one, to be fair, started at 8 p.m. TBS. Number two, starting at 9 p.m. on BET, Sista's Series, Season 6. Starting at 8 p.m. on Bravo in the three spot, Real Housewives of Orange County. Starting at the 9 p.m. slot on Discovery, Expedition Unknown. Starting at 1 a.m. on, I don't know what this station is, N-A-N, Friends. Uh, Then at the sixth place spot, Mayans MC, which is also uh, another series, uh, well, obviously an older series. It's not right. new episodes starting at 10 p.m. on FX. Uh, Friends rerun from 1.35 a.m. was number seven for the day. Friends rerun that took place at 12 a.m. was a, the, the eighth. Guys Grocery Games, which was new, 9 p.m. was the ninth place. And at 10 p.m., the 12 a.m. or 12.01 in this case, Sports Center Late Night Edition. Oh, and then you go on from there. Big Bang Theory, American Dad, Dr. Pimple Popper, Friends, House Hunters, uh, Summer Pro B-Ball League, The Big Bang Theory, Pardon the Interruptions, The Team of the Five, Big Bang Theory, Guys Grocery Games, uh, Guys Grocery Games again, so some reruns. So a lot of reruns. Mm-hmm. Listen. Putting out that list, Tony, doesn't actually say shit. It really just makes you go, shit, there's a lot of reruns and stuff that you bought out, built, beat on a Wednesday. Remember when you were losing the Vanderpump rules? Yeah. 
<laughs> like, so what you're saying is when we're up against nothing on a fucking summertime, mm-hmm. we're number one, even though it was like a little over 800,000 homes. Yeah. Once again, ratings don't matter to me, but if you don't want people to point out and you're not, and this is why we try to say online, stop pointing this shit out because there's enough bad faith dealers that point out the, the stats like this. Mm-hmm. But when the owner of the company's doing it, what else are people going to do, Ken? I know we didn't say this last week, but I'm just going to reiterate this, Tony, AEW Press. Anytime you guys would like to come on our show to talk and have a straight-up interview, we'd love to have you on. All right. I'll say it now because we missed a week. Four weeks yes. since we've offered for Tony Khan or any of AEW management, we'll even extend it out, Yep. to come on the show and answer some questions, including st- stuff like this. We're not going to ask. We'll give you the questions up front, but yep. we're not going to ask you lob balls. Yep. There's real questions that should be asked, like, what are you thinking by doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, four weeks, nothing. Yep. Crickets. You have the new email. You know how to get a hold of us. Why is the sense of wanting to defend your ratings such a big deal? Like, it should not matter. Mm-hmm. Because we'll take a look at your competition. Because this is, I guess this is who you're trying to compare to. Because I don't get this as far as the business goes. Do we ever see WWE put out their ratings like this? Ever? No. Well, we see them online from people, but we'll, nobody we'll, at WWE. Yeah, we'll see them online, but directly from the source. We never no, see no, Triple no. H. We never see, you know, we'll get a press release about numbers for money in the bank. And sure, that's a different story. The weekly numbers we never see because you know what? They're focused on their product. And that is my challenge I'm throwing to you. I understand you want to wave the flag of AEW and you should as the business owner, promoter. I get it. But the sense that you feel this, this is how it comes across to me going on social media and seeing this. You have, you feel like you have to defend your actions or defend your product instead of bragging about the win. That is how it reads to me. They, they go like, well, this is our ratings, but hey, guess what? We still did this. You shouldn't spend your energy doing that. You should instead do it to find ways to grow your audience outside of the traditional means of television, i.e. post clips to your YouTube channel, your TikTok, your other social media outlets to generate that buzz. Why do you think BTE, being the elite, got over so much? It was away from whatever uh, federation the Young Bucks were involved in. It was their own thing. It generated hype. People were getting into it, blah, blah, blah. It grew them into big internet stars. So when they came to AEW, guess what? A lot of people tuned in. Mm -hmm. That is what you should be doing with your weekly programming. I don't understand why you have to get on here and literally try defending it to 7% of the wrestling fans that are sitting online that either are one are watching your product and they're part of that number or B just going online to go at you and provoke you about this. Like, why do you even care? It's not something you need to defend. Once again, the only thing you should care about is because of advertisement dollars and whatever. And if WBD is happy with you, that's all that matters. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that's, that's, that is what you're going to, that's what you focus on it for. But to come out and keep reminding people about it, especially when it's not favoring you. Yeah. It's weird. Yes. Oh, you were number one on Wednesday. Congratulations. With 855K and 
0.29 in the demo. This is coming from Brian Alvarez, who re- reports these numbers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Friday Night SmackDown, because we're recording on Sunday's not out, and Rampage er, and Coll- Collision's not out. But I know Collision did sub 500,000 last week, which, once again, I don't care because it was a good fucking show. Exactly. As a fan and as a commentator, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the one negative that the ratings are down, because who would have thought that Saturdays at 8 p.m. is not a great time slot? Mm-hmm. I mean, famously, somebody s- sent out a thing about there was only 2,000 people in attendance this week. Uh, speaking of a tweet and, uh, you know, uh, but are we loud on television and tag busted open and bully Ray quote tweeted and goes, no, I have a life. So I'm not watching wrestling on Saturday night. Yeah. And, and somebody might be like, oh, well, we don't, well, isn't his job. No, it's not his job. You're, if you have things to do, you're going to go out and, and he's probably booked at a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. And if he's not, he's probably hanging out with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. The man's got a beautiful wife. Why would you just be sitting at home watching Collision when you can catch it any time? Hence why ratings don't matter. Exactly. Because before Monday, when Bully Ray has to go on Busted Open and talk about Collision or SmackDown or whatever, if he doesn't watch it live, that's fine. There's a million apps and there's YouTube where he can catch up on all of it. Mm-hmm. Same thing we do on this show. Exactly. I didn't watch Collision live this week. I couldn't. Instead, I was doing my due diligence because we have a relationship with Fight.TV. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh... There's three shows on Fight. Plus, I'm also a fan of Game Changer Wrestling. I'm a fan of Pro Wrestling Revolver. And since MLW is starting up on Fight Plus, I did my due diligence as a person who's repping the brand to go, oh, I'm going to watch MLW Live, and then I'm going to watch the remainder of the Pro Wrestling Revolver show because it didn't start until 9, and then I'm going to watch the rest of that maybe before I go to bed, if not Sunday morning, with Game Changer Wrestling, and then I'll watch Collision because I can watch it on the TNT app. And I did. I didn't watch just the clips. I watched it on the TNT app, which got rid of the commercials, thankfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I have a version where I'm not watching commercials. Right. Thankfully. Because, God damn, I hate commercials. Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole other story for another day. Uh, but anyways, I just, uh, once again, the numbers don't matter. But when you're like, oh, we're number one, and I'm just taking this from Brian Alvarez's Twitter account. Sure. And the only other number, the last WWE number I have, because I could I couldn't find NXTs for some reason. I don't know if he just didn't record it this week or whatever, but I couldn't find it. But I we found Raw. Let's go with Raw. Raw this past week did a 1.8 million with zero with a 0.49 in the demo. So they were 0.2 higher than you in the demo, and they did pretty much a million more mm-hmm. on Monday Night Raw. I'm sure SmackDown was over was over two million like it normally is. Right. So why do you want to that smoke, Tony? If the show was good, leave it at that. Yeah. We had a great night of action. Who gives a fuck about the ratings? Because fans shouldn't care about ratings. I don't care about Collision's rating. I care about how good the show was. And I like Samoa Joe versus CM Punk Mm -hmm. on that show. It was a really good match. That's what I care about. So if it comes out that that show only did 350K or whatever, I don't care. It entertained me. Collision hit another home run as far as me as a wrestling fan. Exactly. It should be, hey, we had a great week of pro wrestling. Make sure you check us out where you can with Dynamite and Collision and Rampage. But it's on to a new week. Can't wait to talk to see everybody on Wednesday night. Exactly. Bam. You're welcome. Why are you underselling yourself? Because anybody who is looking at those numbers, once again, I just did it real quick just to point Mm -hmm. out. If I'm going, oh, well, they were number one on Wednesday. And then you posted it for me to look at, and I'm like, wow, a lot of reruns of Friends and Big Bang Theory on here. Yeah. It's obviously a dead day of fucking television. Mm-hmm. Obviously. And then I look at your numbers and go, oh, 855 and a point two nine in the important demo, from what we're told. And then I look at just WWE Raw, because I can't look at SmackDown yet. 
1.8.49. Oh, well, it doesn't matter if they were number one. Let's see. Advertisers are looking at 1.8 compared to 8.55. Yeah. K. <laughs> well, there are a million more that I can reach with my products by advertising with WWE. Mm-hmm. And in the important demo, there's 0.2 more. So if I'm choosing where to spend my money, which one do you think I'm going to go with? Because that's the only people who care about the numbers is advertisers and the money end of the business. Exactly. So the, the cable company, the network, whatever, AEW or WWE, and the advertisers, that's all that matters. Fans don't need to jump into it. That's why we're not doing it. But when Tony does this shit, then I have to go, oh, well, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. So please stop doing it, especially when it's easy to go, oh, well, that's nice that you were number one on Wednesday, but uh, you finished a million behind <laughs> yeah. Raw. You finished probably a million and a half behind SmackDown. And let's not even talk about Rampage and Collision. Mm-hmm. And right away, Rampage, great show this week. I watched Rampage this week. Great show this week for their 100th episode. I thought it was a really good show, but I'm sure that the ratings won't reflect that. But do I give a shit as a fan? No, because no. I enjoyed Rampage because you're and I enjoyed Collision. Mm-hmm. Do I care what the ratings tell me? No, because I also know that more there's a lot of people like me who didn't watch it on Saturday that watched it on the TNT app or YouTube television or whatever the fuck they watched it on. Bottom line. Why aren't we talking more about that and just saying, fuck the ratings? Mm. We said it last week. The only reason I'm bringing it up is, Tony, never show it again because who cares? Exactly. What did the bragging rights do for you? Nothing. Because it ain't getting you advertisement dollars because if I'm the one ever, if my company's going to advertise, if I had a multi-billion dollar company, I'm going to advertise with only one of you. I'm going to look at those numbers and go, I'm going to go with this Monday Night Raw business mm-hmm. out of those two numbers. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. But we were number one on Wednesday, and they might have been... I don't know what they were, because I don't know the ranking. They were number three on Monday, and we were number one on Wednesday. Oh, cool. But who cares? My advertisement got seen by 1.8 million, according to the ratings, and 0.49 in the important demo. If I would have advertised with you, I would have only been seen in less than a million houses, and and then 0.2 less in the demo. Mm -hmm. Hmm. No brainer where my money's going. So why even bring it up? Exactly. Because it's ego. I mean, I'm sorry. That's how it's coming across. And it's like, why... But why... At this stage in the game, is it still important to try impressing the 7%? And here's the thing. To put it in terms, because we got to move on and talk about impact is a lot It's a lot nicer for us. Yes. I, I just want to put it in the final terms. So for the people who might not get it in the back, and just to understand me, think about your hometown. Think about your favorite restaurant in your hometown. Think about the, and I, I know a lot of places are like ours and like the area, where they'll have signs that say the best burger in town, and it'll be from the newspaper or mm-hmm. somewhere, like some online thing. Sure. Like. Now, let me ask you this. When you go to eat at one of our, our favorite breakfast places, I'll even drop the name, the Village Diner. Hell yeah. And I understand they're fucking delicious because I love going there too. But let's say that another diner in the area got the plaque that says best breakfast in town. Mm. Does that mean you got to like the Village Diner any less? Hell no. And this goes out to you at home. Think about your favorite restaurant. Let's say that they're not the best burger in town according to the newspaper website, whatever. Does that mean you like your favorite restaurant any less? No, you don't. So that's all ratings are. Just because the rating says that it's this much, if I enjoyed the show, then we're winning. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, the rating could say, let's say Monday Night Raw was terrible, which I didn't get to watch Raw last week live. I watched clips because we were doing the show last mm-hmm. week during Raw. But let's say that Raw was terrible and it was 1.8 million. Yeah. Did the 1.8 million make the show a better show? No, it doesn't. No. And it's also true. So that's why ratings doesn't matter to fans. And I, don't, I just want to hear that discourse go away. And the only place it seems to be real still is Twitter. Yeah. 
Go figure. Don't bring it to Threads, people. Yeah. Like, I'm happy at Threads right now. And, and so if you want to be toxic and a wrestling fan, please stay at Twitter. Yeah. Just throwing that out yeah, to don't you. Come, yeah, don't come on our timelines don't, there. Don't, yeah. I'm, I'm it's get, been good so far. Dude, I'm getting rid of people on fucking Threads if they do. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into something happier because we got to show up before we can go. And that, of course, Impact Wrestling presents Slammiversary going down this upcoming Saturday, July 15th. 8 p.m. Eastern is the, is the main show. 7.30 p.m. for the pre-show. Of course, it will be coming to you from... St. Clair College in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Are you ready to talk about this card? I'm always ready to talk impact. We got one and one and only pre-show match. And I hate the fact this is always the pre-show match, but I guess it makes sense because the pre-show is carried on digital media platforms. Mm -hmm. For the Digital Media Impact Digital Media Championship, your champion. I believe in Joe Hendry. Thank you. We'll be defending that title against Kenny King with Sheldon Jean in his corner. This is going to be a great match. It's Jean. Yeah, this is going to be a great match regardless. Uh, still calling in new. Or and still, and still, and still. Ooh, and still. still. I was going to say, you're Freudian you, slip. Wait a minute. You don't believe in Joe Hendry? Is always, that what you're telling us? I always believe in Joe Hendry. I could see a, an and new here, but I'm going to say and still as well. Let's start off on the main card, shall we? Yes. Uh, first match we're going to talk about Eddie Edwards with Alicia Edwards in his corner taking on Frankie Kazarian with his wife, Tracy Brooks, in his corner. Uh, listen, we got equalizer. The wives are in the corner. You got Die Hard or you got Frankie Kazarian? Uh, I want to take Die Hard, but I think it's going to be Frankie's time. I hate Rune against Die Hard. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. But I think Frankie's going to win. Next up, tag team match for the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championship. Your champions, the Coven, Taylor Wilde and Kylene King, defending against the newly formed team of Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich. Dude, I'm saying and new. Man, huge Taylor Wilder fan, but... I got to go and new. And new. I got to go and new. Slamovich and Killer Kelly, they're going to go to extremes, my friend. This could be the match of the show, though, but I'm just going to say right now. Absolutely. Although, this next match for the Impact X Division Championship, your champion and the nine-time champion at that, Chris Sabin, taking on the man who is making his debut to a Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. Leo Rush. Oh, my God. This is going to be out of control. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to say Saban wins, but Leo is going to push him. I'm also going to go and still, but I can see and new, depending upon how that deal is structured with one Leo Rush. Yes. Next up, an ultimate X match to determine the number one contender for the X Division Championship. In this match, we'll have Angels versus Jonathan Gresham versus Kevin Knight versus Kushida Versus Speedball Mike Bailey. A lot of former champions in there. Who do you like in this one? Ken M. Oh, man. This is tough. But I never bet against Speedball. I'm also going to go with Speedball Mike Bailey, but I would like any of these gentlemen to win this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whoever wins this definitely deserves it. Next up, four-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. Your champions, the ABC, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay, defending the titles against... Brian Myers and Moose, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan, and last but not least, subculture Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. This is going to be great. See, my heart says ABC, but I'm thinking subculture. I'm going to say subculture and new. Yeah. I, I, I'm always rooting for ABC. I love all these teams. Yeah. But I think subculture, they've been trying to make a big deal about. This is the time to pull the mm -hmm. trigger, in my opinion. Fully agree. Next up, in a dream tag match, if you will, with special guest enforcer Darren McCarty, 
Bully Ray and Steve Macklin versus PCO and Scott Diamore. However, Steve Macklin got injured in Australia for impact. He will not be making it into this match. So PCO and Scott Diamore will take on Bully Ray and a partner of his choosing that he will be announcing as we record. We're recording this on a Sunday. He will be announcing it on Busted Open Radio Monday morning. So we don't have the information now, but if you hear this when it first comes out Sunday night or Monday morning, the information will be out shortly thereafter. So Bully Ray and a to-be-announced opponent versus PCO and Scott Demore. Who do you got? Now, it's Slammiversary, so I got to think with Macklin out, they have to go get a legend from Impact. And I'm just thinking who could slide in there and fill in duty. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Christopher Daniels. I am not. I'm going to say the Bully Ray team is going to win. I'm going to say they win regardless, but yes. And ready for it? His partner will be the other half of the 20-plus time world tag team champions. It will be the return of Team 3D. Bully Ray and Devon. Devon is not under contract with WWE. Remember, he got let go. Right, right, right. But He's I- just been training. I understand he said he retired, but a one night off, if you're going to bring in a partner... I mean, Devon and Bully Ray, Team 3D. It, it makes sense. I didn't think he physically. Uh, he said he was done physically. Like no, he could, I, hey, I, I could be wrong. I, like I, I just saw him in a ring for AIW, not I, doing a full match. Well, you know if that's the and case, he's training kids, so he's in the ring. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be back full time. I'm saying when you got to reach out to somebody. No, I mean it, it may, could be it could be a lot of people, but I'm thinking if we're we're going to aim big, Team 3D returns. For Slammiversary. It would make the most logical sense, like I said. And it's big. Yo, no, I mean, it's perfect if, if he can. Like I said, I didn't think he could, so that's why I say I thought he said uh, him and Bully Ray both said he physically couldn't anymore. Uh, so, no. but I mean, if they could do it for one night, hell yeah, it's going to be them. If not, it's going to be somebody else. But I, I think we're – although I would like to see somebody bigger because obviously PCO, you want to go out and get a real hired gun in my opinion. I mean, you could always work a deal with AEW. I mean, you never know if uh, Mr. Jay White. You never know. Next up, the Impact Knockouts Championship will be on the line. Your champion, Deanna Parazzo, goes one-on-one with Trinity. Thoughts? This is going to be a very exciting match. Uh, I hate going against the Virtuosa, but I'm going to say it's Trinity. Yeah, I'm going to say and new. I think that all signs point to that. I don't know if I like it, per se. Uh, since Trinity's been in Impact, I haven't been – she hasn't blown my socks off. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just being honest. No, I, and I'm I with think you, but, uh, switching off of the Virtuosa is a, is a mistake, but they've done it before. I'm sure they'll do it again. Well, that's the one thing, too. I think usually when somebody comes in and makes a big impact, no pun intended, uh, when they sign, they usually try getting a belt to somebody soon. Ah, isn't that funny? Because in the main event of the evening, Impact World Championship on the line, your champion, Alex Shelley, defending the title against the man who earned a shot at the last pay-per-view. Of course, I'm talking about the national treasure, Nick Aldis. This is going to be a great match and new, but Josh Alexander walks out at the end. I'd be better off with that. I don't know how far along he is in the injury process, but then again, he doesn't have to step in the ring till Bound for Glory. If memory serves me correct, Bound for Glory is not until October. Right. It's late. So if he can walk out now and say, hey, I'm not ready yet, but I'm already calling my shot Bound for Glory. Doctors tell me I'll be 100% by then. I could see that happening. Yeah. I would be all right with it. But I'm still kind of – I mean, let's be honest. We all knew that that Alex Shelley wasn't going to be champion for long. Right. 
So, unfortunately, because I'm a big Alex Jolly fan. Oh, agreed. Big Motor same, City Machine Guns. Same, same. But that is what's going down this upcoming Saturday for Impact Wrestling. I'm excited to see it. We'll be watching Slam a first round Saturday. Hopefully, all of you will be as well, because I'll tell you what, Impact Wrestling puts on a hell of a show. Now, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of 607 TWS. Ken, before we go, tell the fine folks one more time how to find you in the ODPH podcast. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. ODPHpodcast.com. And to get a hold of me, it's 3FNpodcast.com. All the links are right there. With that, thank you for tuning in. Next week, we'll be back. We're going to be reviewing you know, the, the big show for Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. We're going to be breaking down more wrestling news between AEW, WWE, and all over the place. We'll be hitting that indie roundup, talking about Game Changer Wrestling and also absolution from AIW and most importantly we'll be uh, reviewing and previewing more for the G1 Climax 33 for New Japan Wrestling until then for myself, for Ken M take care of yourselves take care of each other and most importantly later wrestling